The following message is from Ridgewood Church in Greer, South Carolina. For more information, visit RidgewoodGreer.com. you'll keep your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 6. That's where we're going to be this morning. It's been a joy for Darcy and I to be with you this weekend. We have so enjoyed meeting the moms and dads that are here who are able to be a part of uh, Friday night and Saturday and just growing together. I know there was a number of people who are serving over the weekend. Thank you guys who are serving, leading worship, helping with food, childcare, and all those things. And so this morning, in some ways, for those who are here over the weekend, we're going to land the plane a little bit. And those of you who haven't been with us over the weekend, I think we come to God's Word and we ask, what does God's Word say to us from this specific passage? It's not just for moms and dads, not just for children, but it's written to the church as Paul wrote it to the church. So... That's good for us to look at as well. Over the weekend, we have made sure to point out that there is no perfect parent. There is only one perfect parent, and that is God the Father. There are no perfect children except for the Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. There is no silver bullet, and there is no magic pill for parenting, but God's Word gives us wisdom. It guides us. It helps us. Uh, to shepherd and care well for our children. And one of the things we've said over the weekend that I want to say again this morning, and most of you know this, parenting is hard work. It is difficult work, but it is gospel work. It is something that God has called us to. So the goal of parenting is really not producing trophy children. The goal of parenting is not modifying the behavior of our children so it's convenient to us. The goal of parenting is not priming our children for success in the big world that's out there. The goal of parenting is pointing our children to Jesus Christ, giving them the hope of the gospel, the very hope that we've sung of this morning, the hope that we've prayed already today, reminding them and telling them and teaching them and planting the seeds of the gospel in their hearts so that they would know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And for us as parents, to display that in our homes. And for those who don't have children, to display that in the body of Christ so that our children here in the church body get to see our love for Jesus Christ and all that he has done for us. As we begin, I want to remind you that part of parenting is a wholehearted love for the Lord. We looked at very first night, uh, we began thinking about uh, where do parents come from, looking at Genesis 1 and 2. And then on Saturday morning, we discussed Deuteronomy chapter 6 and really were reminded that a part of parenting is a wholehearted love for the Lord. We can't lead our children to love the Lord if we're not loving the Lord ourselves. And then yesterday, we also looked at some of the biblical principles that that are found in Proverbs on how to discipline and correct our children. So today, I want to really conclude by looking at this passage from Ephesians chapter 6, and I want to do it with a message entitled, The Church's Responsibility to Parents. The Church's Responsibility to parents. My goal really is the exposition of these four verses, but then I hope to get to some application for all of us as a church body as we think about the children who, are, who have been given to us and who've been placed within the church body. But before we kind of dive into the text, let me give a little bit about background to the text that Trevor read here earlier just to help us understand, make sure we're all on the same page. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church at Ephesus. And that letter was likely a circulating letter that went to other churches, so other churches heard what Paul had wrote to the churches there. The first three chapters of this letter are very doctrinal in nature, explaining the gospel, explaining redemptive uh, purposes, the redemptive purposes of God, explaining redemption. 
He recaps this incredible grace of God for sinners like you and me. He, he tells the believers at the church in Ephesus of God's amazing grace and saving them as sinners uh, from, from the punishment they deserve, from the sins that have been uh, given to them through the fall in Genesis. And then when we come to chapters 4 through 6, Paul begins to flesh out what are the implications of this gospel in our lives what, is, what does it mean that we have these, this gospel in our lives? How do we practice the good news of Jesus Christ that Paul has explained here in chapters 1 through 3? How, how do we live out this faith of the resurrected and reigning Jesus? What does that look like in our lives and particularly in our relationships, maybe even some of our closest relationships that we have in our families, maybe even in the church body, maybe with, even with our neighbors? As we look closely, the focus, what I want to do is really focus in on the relationship between parents and children so that we all understand that as a church body and then really to come back and apply uh, the gospel to those relationships uh, for parents and children. And then with the application, we're going to look carefully at how God has restored the family and then what that application looks like for us as a church body. I want to just pause for just a second before we dive in, though, to say that I understand that in a a congregation this size, there are various variables and different parentings and different family backgrounds. And so in a message uh, this length of time, you can't address absolutely everything. But I want to encourage you, if, if this morning talking about family or talking about parenting uh, brings up any anxiety or any struggles or any challenges for you, I know that your pastor's here would be more than happy to sit down and talk with you and help you work through those. We, we dearly love your pastors here. We love the folks we've gotten to know here. And I know they would love to help you in any way they can if this message in any way brings up any struggles for you personally. Let me pray one more time and then I want to dive into the text. Heavenly Father, this is your word this morning. Not just words on a page, but these are your words. The words you've given to us, your people. So we come this morning, Lord, asking that you would send your spirit to help us to understand it and to apply it to our lives. Father, I pray that you would take and use these weak and frail words of mine for your glory, to encourage the saints, and to even draw those who don't know you into faith with you, to relationship with you. So, Father, what we have not, we pray that you would teach us. What we, what we are not, we pray that you would make us, and we pray that you would do this for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. What undergirds this section of scripture that we have just read, what undergirds this is the instruction of the Apostle Paul to the church is union with Jesus Christ, being united with Jesus Christ by faith. Without relationship with Jesus, these just become really kind of moral principles that we're trying to live out on our own. But as God awakens faith in us to believe, we're given this new life. We're given changed hearts, and the Spirit of God within us empowers us to live out the life that has been changed by the gospel. And this is all a gracious work of God, not something that we do in and of ourselves. We've sung that this morning. It's not something we have a desire for. It's not even something that we produce in ourselves, but it is a gracious work of the Lord. And the instructions that Paul gives to children and parents here are for those who are united to Jesus in faith. 
So that means that these instructions are only possible, they're only possible for those who uh, Jesus is working in their hearts and lives. So the context of this letter is not written to the neighbors out here, it's not written to the world. The context of this letter is written to the church, to believers, those who are united in faith to Jesus Christ. So the first point I want you to see this morning is simply this, the gospel in the lives of children. We're just going to simply walk through the text, but the gospel in the lives of children in verses 1 through 3. Paul begins ends with children because the focus of the text is thinking about submission or submission uh, of the children to the parents. He begins the instructions in this part of the letter with husbands and wives and talking about wives submitting to their husbands in chapter 5. But here he begins with instructions to children who are to submit to the parents and children are under the authority of their parents. Father is primarily addressed here, but the children are under the authority of their parents. One of the things we tell parents often is those first five years of parenting, you're really just teaching your children to live under the authority, the God-given authority that he has placed your children under in your home. But I want to also notice here that Paul is speaking to children in the church body. He has written a letter to the church, and he's speaking to children who are in the church body. He is addressing them personally about their responsibility. The children are hearing the instruction. They're hearing the teaching within the setting of the corporate body. So look at the text one more time, verses 1 through 3. Paul says to them, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. There are two imperatives or two commands that Paul gives to children, Christian children, here in the letter to the church. The first one is, children are to obey their parents. Our sinful nature, yours and mine, all of our sinful nature, we do not like to submit. We do not like submission to any authority. Our sinful heart stirs within us a desire to be free, to be absolutely free from anyone telling us what to do. And it's a constant battle for us. Our old nature wants to have our way. We simply want our way, right? Children must understand that life outside of God's design is dangerous. Children have to know that sinfulness and foolishness and those desires outside of God's design leads to physical danger and it leads to spiritual danger. Sin can be described simply as demanding freedom from God's good boundaries. It can simply be stated in this way. Let me just do what I want to do. Let me rule my life the way I want to rule my life. But the gospel tells us Jesus has saved us from living for ourselves. The good news of Jesus Christ is that Jesus rescues us from wanting our own way. In Christ Jesus, we have a new and growing desire, and we ask ourselves, not what can I do? I want to do my own thing. I want to live my own way. We don't ask that. We ask ourselves, what pleases God? What what is God's good way for my life? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, the Apostle Paul says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake was died and raised. Those who are in Christ don't live for themselves any longer. 
They live for Jesus Christ. So for children who are united to Jesus Christ by faith, children who are Christians, they are trusting in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And Paul says for them to live out the gospel means they obey their parents. Paul says to please the Lord means to obey your parents. And to obey your parents is to live under the good authority that God has given in his place for the child's life. And friends, this is God's grace. This is God's blessing to our children to live under this God-given authority. What does obedience mean? We have to ask ourselves, well, what, what does that mean? Does, does it mean begrudgingly doing what parents ask a child to do? No. I know we have a number of children in here, so I would encourage you for just a moment to pay attention if, you, if you're not already drawing a big head of the guy who's preaching or something like that on your sermon notes. Is obedience to go stomping away to clean your room or to pick up toys or to put away dishes or to put your clothes away? No, that's not obedience. Is obedience to huff when mom and dad ask what to do? No, that's not obedience either. Is obedience to roll your eyes and sigh or to grumble and complain? No, that's not obedience. Is obedience to wait till mom is at her wit's end for the bazillionth time she's asking you to do something? That's not obedience either. None of those things are obedience. What that reflects is a sinful, selfish, rebellious heart wanting to do our own thing in our own way. Listen, even delayed obedience is still disobedience. Grumbling obedience is still disobedience. What Paul is saying to children is, you hear and you obey what your parents ask of you, and to obey is pleasing to the Lord. That's why Paul modifies the word obey with in the Lord. To obey your parents is pleasing to the Lord. Even if you don't understand why your parents have asked you to do something, to obey means I want to please the Lord. I'm going to please the Lord by obeying my parents who are the good authority given to me. You may say, well, Stephen, I, I really can't do that. You're right. In your own strength and power, you can't do that. And that's why we need Jesus' help. And that's what the Bible tells us, that Jesus stands ready to help us when we can't do that. Some of you may say, well, is there ever a time that children should not obey their parents? And I would say, yes, there is just one time, and parents, listen carefully to this. There's one time, and that's when parents ask a child to do something that they know is sinful and contrary to God's word, disobedient to God's word. Unless it's sinful or contrary to God's word, then our children should obey. They should realize that God has given parents as a good gift, as a blessing to our children. So we need to think about those specific things carefully. Also, obedience means for our children, they listen. They listen to hear what is being said, what is being asked of them. Sometimes disobedience begins with how we listen. Are we listening carefully to what our moms and dads are saying? Are we listening to obey? Do we want to obey? Are we looking at them in their eyes? Are we listening to the words that they're speaking? Or is it not really paying attention? Are we off doing something else or thinking about something else? Maybe playing video games or walking away while they're talking. To hear someone and to listen to them and to obey them, children ought to hear and listen with their eyes, their ears, and their hearts. Then you come 
to the word obey, and you think, okay, obedience is not begrudging. Obedience is doing it the first time, every time, right away, with a happy and submissive spirit. And that's what God teaches us. I said to our parents over the weekend this very definition of obedience, but I also have to confess that as a parent, when I use that definition, I always think about my relationship with God as well. Is this the way that I'm obeying the Father? Is this the way I'm obeying His Word? Am I obeying the first time, every time, right away, with a happy and submissive spirit? See, boys and girls, as you think about this passage, and parents, as you think about this passage, you have to see that the attitude and the heart matter to God. It's not just doing what's being asked of you, but the attitude and the heart matter to God. He thinks about your heart. He cares about your heart. And Jesus will help you to obey the way you need to obey. So look at the text one more time. Paul says, for this is right. So he says to the children, it is right that you would obey your parents because it pleases the God. Secondly, he gives them this second command or the second imperative here. It's children are to honor their parents. Uh, Now notice Paul doesn't stop with just obey, just do what I've said, but he says you ought to honor your parents. Look at the text again. He says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Paul likely had in mind the child's attitude or the child's disposition when parents ask him or her to do something. But to honor here means to have deep respect for your parents. It's to realize that God is good and he has given you godly parents to guide you along the way is to realize that God's authority is a grace and a kindness to you that comes from and comes through your parents. These these adults that God has placed in your life, he tells the children, these parents that God has given to you, you are to honor them. And it is a means of God's grace that he has placed them into your life. The same way the Israelites, when they heard the Ten Commandments, they heard the covenant promises, they heard the covenant requirements, they were to realize it's a matter of God's grace and living in this circle of obedience that God has created for them. But Paul says here also, there's reward or there's promise for honoring your parents. Look what he says, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. The general rule, the pattern of life here is when you honor your parents, when you obey your parents, there's blessing for you. Paul says you you will have a prosperous life. You, You are happier when you obey your parents. And this is the pattern that we see throughout the book of Proverbs. Because of the brokenness in our world, though, one of the things we have to remember is we can't say that this guarantees a life of ease and prosperity. We can't say that. But the general principle is there is blessing for those who obey and who honor their parents. And how do you live out the gospel as children, as Christians in the home with your parents? You obey and you honor them as the Lord requires of you. Now look at verse 4 again. Here is our second principle, the gospel in the lives of our parents. The gospel in the lives of parents. Ephesians 4, chapter 6, verse 4. Look at the verse here. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Paul is addressing fathers here, the spiritual leader in the home, the head of the household. And he still has in mind submission as he is writing to fathers here. But we also know that he hasn't excluded moms in here because he's using the fifth commandment here from the ten commandments. So it's there. But ultimately, there's responsibility in the home, the discipline and instruction for children. The responsibility in the home falls to the father. It's ultimately his responsibility 
But notice Paul begins with a word of caution. He begins with this word of wisdom to parents. Look what it is. Do not provoke your children to anger. What's Paul saying here? Well, he's saying and to parents and particularly to fathers that we can be heavy-handed at times. We can be harsh in how we parent our children. We can have unreasonable demands on our children. We can impose needless restrictions or severe punishment. And that can cause our children to become angry and bitter. Sometimes parents can be over the top. And a child can feel like, well, wait, I can't do anything right. Mom and dad are never pleased with anything I do because I'm constantly being corrected. It seems like an impossible task to even try. And that's why Paul writes to the Colossian church in chapter 3, verse 21. He says that children can become discouraged. And we don't want our children to become discouraged. In fact, we want to represent the gracious love of the Heavenly Father to them. We want them to see God's love in the life of their parents. Curtis Vaughn, he, was, he wrote a small commentary on this exact passage. And one of the things he says in his commentary on this particular verse here, verse 4 of chapter 6, he says, Wise parents, they seek to make obedience easy for their children. Wise parents seek to make obedience easy for their children. Now, does that mean moms and dads are passive? No, that's not what that means. Does that mean that parents let their children do whatever they want to do? No, that's not what that means. Does, does that mean that homes revolve around the children? Every demand, every demand the child has, every want the child has? No, that's not what that means, and none of that is parenting. It means that parents, and especially fathers, they, they strive to exemplify the Heavenly Father to their children. They strive to model grace and mercy and patience and kindness and correction and discipline and instruction. Paul is saying, dads, is your words and your actions have a devastating impact on your children. And I know a lot of times for dads, that's not our desire. I know that's not what you want. You don't want your children to live in anger or bitterness. So Paul warns here, he says, do not provoke your children to anger. One of the questions we have to ask ourselves, well, how do we do that? What does that mean from the Apostle Paul? What does he mean? How, how do I provoke my children to anger? Well, let me offer you a few suggestions of what that looks like from Lou Priola's book on, on the heart of anger written about parents and written about children. One of the ways we can cause our children to be provoked to anger is a lack of marital harmony in our homes. When mom and, moms and dads aren't getting along, when there's conflict in the home, when there's not a loving relationship in the home, that can cause our children to become angry and confused in our homes. A lack of disciplining our children in love, but disciplining them in anger can provoke our children to anger. Scolding our children rather than gently and patiently correcting our children can cause that. Being inconsistent in our discipline, something we talked about this weekend with our parents. Maybe even not admitting when we're wrong and seeking forgiveness. You know, there will be times as parents when we'll get it wrong. And maybe the pride within us, or we don't want to give a little to our children, but the pride within us will keep us from saying, I'm sorry, or seeking forgiveness. But there will be opportunities for us to do that, and we need to do that. Maybe there's an aspect in your home where you're constantly finding fault, and there's never any affirmation for your children. If that's the case, then our children do become discouraged. They can become anxious in a lot of ways. Maybe we're confronting them in front of others or we're mocking our children or we're giving completely unrealistic expectations for them to follow. 
All of those things can cause us to provoke our children to anger. And I would say for you and for me, for any of us who are parents, let's ask God to help us to make obedience easy to our children. Communicate what the expectations are. Provide a consistent, purposeful structure for them to live in so they know that obeying is what's expected of them, but we make it as easy for them as possible. Paul brings in... A word of caution here, but then he gives two positive imperatives. He said, bring them up, bring up your children here. And the best we can understand that, it means nurturing care, to have nurturing care for our children in a culture where children were treated poorly. Paul says to nurture them and to care for them, to value them, to see them as a blessing from the Lord. And he gives two ways to do that. First, he says, bring them up in the discipline. And then secondly, he says, bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. To bring them up in the discipline of the Lord is not just discipline and correction, as we talked about yesterday for our parents, but it's the total education. It's the total preparation of that child to go out into the world and to live life. It's teaching and guiding and providing appropriate boundaries of protection and keeping that child within the circle of blessing that God has put that child in. Bringing them up in the instruction of the Lord means that we're going to use our words. We're going to exhort them. We're going to warn them. We're going to teach them. We're going to talk to them about the greatness of God and all the good things that God has done for them. But we're also going to warn them about the dangers of the world that is out there. So Paul says we're to bring them up the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And parents, as we live out the gospel, this is how we do it. This is part of who we are as parents. We're both instructing them and disciplining them, but we're also giving warning and we're giving and correction all along the way, the way that God has instructed us. And notice Paul says, all of this is of the Lord. That means it comes from the Lord. The authority and the responsibility that we have, it comes from the Lord as we teach our children. We are to encourage them in that way, both with our words and our actions. Not to provoke them, not to discourage them, but to nurture and to care for them. This is the gospel lived out for the parent. Parents and children have a challenging relationship at time, and it'll, it'll take time to figure out how that looks in your home as you seek to honor God and o- obey his word. But one of the places that God has placed parents and children is the local church. You guys are so blessed. We were talking about last night with a group of your parents, and there's like some 20, Trevor paid for 495 kids, and I, I don't know that Trevor knows how to count. He might can teach the Bible, but that seems like a lot of kids. But 20, 22 kids maybe born in the last year or so, seems like a, a lot of children. What, what a great privilege, church. What a great opportunity. So we have to ask ourselves, if, if this passage is written to the church, and the whole church is listening to what Paul says to parents and what he says to children. And we know that strong family relationships are a blessing within the family. And strong family relationships are a blessing. And they, they glorify God when others see them. And strong family relationships are a blessing to those outside the family and even in the church. Then what does this mean for the church? How do we come alongside of parents? How do we come alongside of children and encourage them to continue in faith? Encourage them to walk, as God has said, through the Apostle Paul here in our church family. How do we do that? Let me offer you three words this morning. Just three words. They're phrases, but I'm going to offer you three words here as a church family. I know that one of your 
your, your core values that you have or convictions that you have in your family ministry is that it's not just the parents who are involved in the lives of the children, but you are aunts and uncles and grandparents who are coming alongside parents. Everyone within the church body has a responsibility with our children. So let me offer you these three words by way of application this morning. How about that? The first one is to treasure. Treasure Christ in your own heart. Love Jesus Christ. Treasure him above all else in your own heart. Children need adults in their lives that affirm and reinforce what they see and hear from their own parents. One of the things we talked about yesterday morning from Deuteronomy chapter 6 is that parents should have a wholehearted, full-bodied love for Jesus Christ, for the Lord himself, that they can model and teach to their children. And that's what's needed in the body too. Treasure Christ. Treasure the Lord Jesus Christ with your whole heart. Your child, the children in this church, they need to see not just their parents treasure Christ. They need to see the body of Christ treasure Christ. They need to, they need to hear you sing. One of the examples I gave to your parents this weekend is when the kids are in worship here and you're standing and singing. Oh, what a great example that is to them. You're discipling them to worship God. You're saying to them, who we're singing to is a great God. You're, you're declaring to them the gospel is great. So I would encourage you as a church family, as you see these instructions to parents, as you see these instructions to children, treasure Christ with all your heart. Love him with all your heart, with your whole being. Secondly, I would say commit yourself to the church. Membership helps pastors and helps others who are part of the church to know who belongs to the church. And pastors will give an account for those who are in the body of Christ. But membership also helps us to know who are the families that should have a priority in our life. Who are those moms and dads? Who are those little ones that should have a priority in our lives beyond our own home? In your home, obviously, the children in your home, the grandchildren in your home, the nieces and nephews in your home have a priority. But beyond them, it's the church body. God has so graciously blessed you with these children, and they are a priority for you. They are where you should give your greatest priority as you think about ministry, investing in the next generation, loving them and encouraging them along the way. Lastly, I would say serve them. Serve parents and serve children. There are both formal ways and informal ways to serve. Formal ways is you volunteer for child care or any events that are needed. Listen, in a church that seeks to honor Christ, there should never be a need for child care. And those of you who serve, Lord bless you. I know it's not always easy, but show up on time. Be there. Come. Ready. Uh, if there's training that needs to happen, make sure you do the training. Do all the things you need to do in a formal way to serve and to be a huge blessing to those parents and those children. That is a great way to do that. But there's also some informal ways to serve those parents and those children. I I see from time to time moms who have had a really rough week. And they have gotten to church, and the kids are there, and they're there, and maybe dad's out of the way on a trip, or something has happened along the way, and they're looking a little ragged, right? And I feel like one of the blessings we have as a church body is to come alongside of parents, moms and dads, say, hey, you're doing a great job. Don't give up. Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary. It's been a long week. I hear you. Parenting's hard? Yes. 
But let me encourage you. The Lord Jesus Christ sees what you're doing. You're doing hard work. You're doing gospel work. And God will bless you. Persevere. Continue on. One of the greatest tools you and I have for helping our parents and our children in the body of Christ is the words that come out of our mouth. To encourage them. To spur them on. To thank them for being here. Hey, I know it was probably a lot of work to get up this morning and get everybody dressed and get them here. Hey, thanks for being here. It's a blessing to me. I may not have children, but it's a blessing to me to see you here with your children. And some of you are sitting next to children, and you're seeing them pay attention. You're seeing them, some of them taking notes. You're seeing some of them sing. You should turn and say, man, it's such an encouragement to me to see you here, to hear you sing. You're such a blessing to me. Welcome them into the church body, right? They need to hear that from you. Their parents need to hear that from you. And sometimes moms and dads just need an extra set of hands too. One of the ways we serve them is we say, wait, I can carry that diaper bag. Let me help you. One of the things I do at our church on Sundays is I stand at the door after the service. And part of what I do is I'm, I'm a guard. If a kid's running for the door, he, I'm there. I'm right there to help that kid not get out the door. Because not too long before mom and dad's going to be looking for that child. But sometimes we can be a helping hands to mom and dad. We can carry a diaper bag. We can carry, hold a child's hand as they walk to the car. We can encourage them. But one of the greatest things we can do is to tell a mom and dad, you know what, I'm praying for you. I see your work. I see you're working hard to raise your children. I see you're doing a good work to raise them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It's a blessing to me. You're obeying the Lord. It's an encouragement to those around us. Church body, it is a tremendous blessing to have parents and children among us. It is a gift from the Lord. In every way that we can, we should rejoice in that. We should encourage one another. We should spur each other on. And even for those who are who aren't able to have children. A church body like this, I know there may be those who have struggled in some ways. Trevor prayed graciously and carefully for those who may be battling infertility. Listen, we as a church body should come alongside of those parents and encourage them. Scriptures say we rejoice with those who rejoice and we grieve with those who are grieving, but we come along and encourage them and there are ways that we can walk right alongside of them, make them feel a part of our church, Share the load of parenting and rejoice together that God has given us a next generation to impart the gospel to. Church family, you're blessed. You're so blessed. And the Lord is doing a good work. Let's pray that in the hearts of our children, God would awaken faith for them to believe and we would see a next generation carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you have blessed this body of believers with moms and dads and so many little ones. And we're so thankful, Father. We know that children are a blessing. They are to be treasured. We know that Jesus Christ himself welcomed them into his own arms. So, Heavenly Father, as we think about parenting, as we think about even as a church family of imparting the gospel to the next generation, I pray, Lord, among these believers here at Ridgewood, you would continue the good work you've begun. 
Strengthen moms and dads. Lord, give them grace upon grace. For those who've yet to have children or those who have children they've sent out of the home, I pray, Lord, that you would use them in great ways as well here in this body. We thank you for the blessing. We thank you for the blessing of speaking of Jesus and telling the good news of the gospel to little ones. And we pray, Lord, that throughout this church body, these children that you've entrusted to us, they would come to know Christ and they would walk with him always. To you, our great God, be honor and glory and praise now and forevermore. In Jesus' name.